The boy was alone, trapped in a nightmare of ice and snow. He'd never been so cold. It slid into his bones like a knife, and he thrashed from side to side. Help me, he cried, but the words turned to frost on his tongue and fell silent to the ground. His mind tumbled from one useless question to another. Where was the ship? Where was the demon? Where was his dream of winning a name and becoming part of the circle of devouts? He woke then, for a second or two, just long enough to know that he was not cold after all, but warm, and that the ice was nowhere to be seen. He sighed with relief. But then, he became aware of a relentless thump, 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 close by. He had never heard the sound before, but he knew immediately what it meant. Machines. The plan had worked. He was on the ship. He rolled his head to one side to make sure he was alone. A sly smile touched his lips. Send a boy, he whispered. They will never suspect a boy. Then he closed his eyes and fell back into unconsciousness. By the end of the day, the oyster was awash with rumors. No one knew where the stranger had come from, but everyone had an opinion. Braid folks said that he must have stepped out of the mouth of a whale, right into the path of the ship. Grace Alley believed that he had fallen from the sky. And in Dufftown, they claimed that he was made from seaweed and old bones, like winter soup. Overnight, the rumors grew even wilder. And so, as soon as the next morning's fishing shift was underway, the rest of the crew donned their outdoor clothes, which had been handed down over the centuries, and patched and mended until there was not a scrap of the original material left, and headed up to the neutral territory of the foredeck. None of them saw Petrol. She was hiding in lifeboat three, just above the heads, with her ragged hood drawn around her ears and the breath issuing in clouds from her mouth. Beside her crouched the large grey rat known as Mr. Smoke. The foredeck might be neutral territory, but that did not make it agreeable territory. Folk gathered in their tribes, tight as a school of fish, and every one of them filled with distrust and suspicion. Dolph was standing by the wind fiddles, surrounded by friends and relatives. Petrel scowled at the older girl. I hate her. Why's that, shipmate? whispered Mr. Smoke. Why do you think? Tar bucket again, is it? Petrel nodded, although she suspected that her hatred was more complicated than that. Dolph was part of the officer tribe, which meant she had a proper place on the oyster. She ate when there was food and starved when there wasn't. She didn't have to beg or steal or live on other folks' scraps. She didn't have to hide in corners and pretend to be an idiot to avoid being kicked or spat on. She had friends. Petrel wriggled uncomfortably. I've got friends, she whispered to the rat. I've got you and Mrs. Slink. Gorgiev, said Mr. Smoke. And I saved the stranger. That makes him a friend, if he only knew it. <laughs> said Mr. Smoke, his tattered whiskers twitching. Wouldn't boast about it if I was you. Strangers is a bad, bad thing. He'd been repeating those same words for most of the night, 
and Petrel ignored him. Despite the cold, she liked being in the lifeboat, with its albatross eye view of the foredeck. From up here, she could see things she was not supposed to see, and hear things she was not supposed to hear. Like the voice of Second Officer Crab, for instance, drifting upward from below. We must attack Greece Alley, hissed Crab. Immediately after this meeting, while Albie is off balance, we must capture the boy and throw him back to the ice. First Officer Orca's reply was as cold as the morning.